in these strange times that require us to remain at home, well, things can feel a little bit odd, a bit bland, a bit like the colour has been leaking away from the landscape of our lives. Occasionally, we are hit by unexpected and unwelcome waves of anxiety for ourselves, for our families, even for the world. We look for distractions to save us from that inner dialogue that chips away at our hope for the future. The story of Pentecost, as recounted by Luke, is certainly one that captures our attention and imaginations. Its symbolism, of course, reflects the divine of encounters that we find in the Old Testament. The bright colours of red, orange and yellows that mesmerise the eye as we gaze into a crackling fire. The overwhelming sound of wind as it lifts roofs off houses and sends cars tumbling down the street. The cacophony of confused languages that overwhelm and deafen the ear. There's no denying that moths that are drawn irresistibly to a bright flame. We are drawn to all the excitement that such a scene offers us. Yet, on this Pentecost Sunday, the Gospel offers us another, perhaps less spectacular, but nonetheless significant vision of a life united with the Holy Spirit. For John, the coming of the Spirit was always bound up with the cross and the glorification of Jesus. Earlier in his Gospel, John writes, On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. John chapter 7. John collapses together into one flowing movement, the events of the cross, the ascension and glorification of Jesus with the giving of the Holy Spirit, inviting us to join him in viewing them together. Behind sealed doors, apparently, the broader group of Jesus' followers were in lockdown that evening. It remains unclear exactly how, but Jesus turns up and stands among them, greeting them with the traditional words, Shalom Alechem, peace upon you. I suspect that at least initially, there wasn't much chance of that peace being felt for they were locked in for fear of their very lives. Yet, 
through the disclosure of his hands and feet which bore the marks of the crucifixion that were left upon his body. The disciples recognised that this was in fact Jesus among them. As I thought about that scene, I wondered how often does that happen? I mean, really? For most of us, I suspect the thought of Jesus being with us, of God's life being bound to our own, so easily becomes for us something approaching background noise. Because it's just always there. It never goes away. And yet, as we live our lives, we tend to tune it out, to become unaware. Sadly, we become immune to its life-forming presence. That is, of course, until we realise that we need him. I mention this not so much to give us another failing with, with which to beat ourselves up, but rather has a recognition that this is part of the human condition. For clearly, the disciples shared it. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then Jesus does the unthinkable. In a time of social distancing, he deliberately breathes upon them. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us because we are a people that are sent to be and sent to do. What this looks like is something that cannot be predicted, for the life that we are called to adopt is unique. It is a delicate fusion of our own personality, our character, our gifts, and the divine life expressed within us, embracing those whom we encounter along the way. Yet this text does not leave us bereft of direction. Far from it. It articulates the shape of a life lived in the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I send you, says Jesus. If we had more time, we would attend to the gospel stories and perhaps see for ourselves how Jesus encountered people, how he treated them, how he rarely left them as they were, how he challenged the socially powerful and privileged, how he pleaded for and lived a life that put love first. His life was one marked by generosity, by thanksgiving, by risk-taking, by grace-bearing, by a preference for justice, and perhaps most importantly, by vulnerability. The sending of Jesus to this form of life is ultimately only possible because it is a shared life. This life is also lived by the one who does the sending, God 
the Father. This implies that this life that we share in is divine life. This day of Pentecost reminds us that we are not alone, locked away behind closed doors from each other. We, like Jesus, are sent people who have received the Holy Spirit and who are call, called to bear the marks of the Christ life in how we choose to live. I do realise that there is a dissonance here. What does it mean to be sent in a time when physical isolation has become a life-saving strategy? Creativity and adaptation? Let us find ways to support and be connected. Look for ways to give and share life. Embrace opportunities that just come our way to spend ourselves for others. Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Likewise, to a life marked by generosity, by self-giving, by risk-taking, by grace-bearing, a preference for justice, and by a vulnerability through which we may embrace the world. This is the divine life that has been breathed into us.